Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Podcast Daily. Happy Thursday and happy start of recruiting camp season to my colleague, Jeremy Birmingham. It's like another Christmas for you. I just said that about a media day for me a week ago, but camp season for you, like this is it, right? This is big time. Yeah, this is, I just think it's so much fun. Um, uh, it's also just like a really good excuse to be outside in the middle of June and <laughs> um, around football. And and I don't think uh, anyone would complain about that. Certainly um, in the past, we've had some long days and, and those, you know, uh, days where it's like 95 degrees and it's a little unwieldy outside, but uh, that's not the case uh, on the forecast for Thursday. It looks like it's going to be a perfect day. And I have good news for you, Austin. You want to hear? Tell it? me more. Yeah. You may not have known this. You know how these things normally go. We get in there about 8.30 in the morning. We leave about 5, right? Yeah. Registr yeah. Registration isn't until 11 o'clock and out by 3 o'clock. Out by oh. 3. They're, com they're combining the sessions, so it's not going to be split. It's going one one big session from 11 o'clock registration till like 2.30 final one-on-one uh, -on -one stuff. So that's a shorter day, so it's going to be a little bit more uh, chaotic, I think, when you're dealing with 500, 600 kids. But it won't be like a, a 10 hour day at least. Is that a one-off or is that just the format they've embraced? That is from what I understand what's happening this camp season. Uh, I don't know if it's going to continue in the future. From my understanding, it's that they have team related activities in the morning and then at like four o'clock in the afternoon. And so you got to get the coaches uh, off the fields <laughs> and uh, you know, Ryan day has always found a way it seemed in the last couple of years to like make things a little bit more concise and, and, streamlined when it comes to these sort of events and you don't see coaches there till 9 30 at night um like we used to and uh, this is another example of that i think and i'm, I'm i think it's a good thing uh, because like i said sometimes these days especially when it's really hot in june like it's just it's just unbearable for the parents and everyone that's there so well i am in fact very excited for that news that you've shared with me um he's burn i'm austin ward when you look at all right let's just lay this out not everybody who watches the podcast daily, follows all of the recruiting calendar, every single date, minutia, camp season. At its most basic berm, why are these significant? Because it's not it's not game film. It's They're not wearing pads, but uh, certainly they are opportunities for the coaches to get evaluations. How much do they matter? What, do, what does Ohio State want to get out of it? Well, there's still nothing that matters more in recruiting than in-person evaluation. So um, this is uh, a two-headed dragon in some ways. One, you have the guys that are coming in from around the country. Uh, players like Mad Madden Faramo is a, a linebacker from California who Ohio State's already offered, and they've been just looking for a way to get him on campus and show him around. This serves as a, a, a one-two combination where you get a chance to give him the school's best foot forward and show them around and his family around Columbus and in June. Uh, at the same time, they get a chance to make sure that their early evaluation is correct. And you can see how oh, this kid is who we thought he was. This is why he offered that's when you have a play like um, uh, Dia Bell, who's a uh, uh, um, Rajon Bell's um, son quarterback in class of 2026. So he's a guy that just finished his freshman year. He's coming up from South Florida. He's going to get a chance to work with Ohio State. A lot of times these are like steps in an interview process. The first camp that you get to will lead to the second. Last summer, we talked about it on, on Monday with Chris Henry Jr. So he's going to be back on Thursday, and you get a chance to watch him and see, okay, we offered him a year ago because he was unbelievable at the summer camp. Has he improved? Has he grown since then? Is he this? Is is that projection that we had, that development track, is, is it where it needs to be? So uh, it's like a barometer for the kids that are there back and forth. 
Um, but then there are the really important in-person evaluations for in-state players like offensive lineman Tucker Caddis from Cincinnati Xavier. Like that's a player who is a 2025 offensive lineman in the state of Ohio. They've been a little bit more aggressive in the state early, and now you get a chance. Hey, can this guy play with you know what we want to see? Um, same thing for Eli Lee, a linebacker from Akron Hoban. So like there, there's there's a lot of different moving parts and a lot of different types of recruits at these camps. Um, you know, and then you'll have your occasional just superstar who will show up like Mateo, Mateo Uyangalele did two years ago and just blow everyone's doors off. So um, it, it's a, just a fun day because there's so many things going on. Um, and I, I like to just watch. I talked about this with Andrew on Talking Stuff uh, on Tuesday night. But when you're watching a camp like last summer, for example, Mylon Graham showed up at a camp, now a five-star wide receiver, according to a lot of people. Um, he showed up as an unranked, unoffered player. And you watch as a guy like that when he gets to camp and, and the coaches are looking through them, sort of. They're not, you know, they, they have a list. So the Ohio State coaches get a list. It's a, it's a two-sided piece of paper that has all the positions, all the players that they've already identified who's a, a must-get player. That, those are the types of guys that Ryan Day spends time talking to. And Mylon Graham wasn't on that list a year ago. And then once you see, like, as the performance is un, unfolding, all of a sudden the looking through a guy stops, and then you can see Brian Hartley going, wait a second, what is this? And it's that's rare these days because the Internet exists and we see everything so early, but those those things do still happen, and that's what makes camp days just awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's a perfect segue to the next thing that I was going to ask, which is the value for the players beyond just being on campus or getting an opportunity to work with Ryan Day or Brian Hartline or Larry Johnson, you know, some of the most famous assistant coaches in the country, an opportunity that pretty much anybody in the state uh, high school or middle school or junior high, whatever football player would, would relish the opportunity to do that. But for somebody who's trying to earn a scholarship offer, uh, there's a finite amount, and Ohio State's not handing them out willy-nilly. How how common is that going to be moving forward? How many opportunities like a Milan Graham do you think are still out there? I don't think it's as many as there used to be. Um, you know, uh, last summer we watched as Jermaine Matthews, now a freshman cornerback at Ohio State. He, I, I, I like to use the example of Jermaine because he was a player that had a lot of Division One offers uh, as he was entering his senior year at Winton Woods, but Ohio State wasn't one of them. Ohio State had been monitoring him every step of the way, evaluating him every step of the way. Two weeks before Ohio State's first camp last year, which was June 1st, he told me, I'm going to be there on June 1st. I'm camping. I'm like, cool, man. This is your opportunity. You go out there and improve it. You know, leave, leave no doubt. A week later, he texts me and says, hey, I'm not going to go to camp. I, I shouldn't have to camp at Ohio State. They've seen me a dozen times. Why should I have to do this? I'm like, well... Uh, okay, but you know, then you know you're not going to get an offer from Ohio State, then, right? Like, and then three days before the camp, he texted and like, "Do you think I should camp?" I'm like, "Yeah, you should probably camp if you want an offer from Ohio State." And then he went and camped and dominated and was offered that day, and and now he's a freshman at Ohio State. So, like, you you there is value. Now the question is, it, because Ohio State is now being a touch more aggressive in the state earlier than they have been. Are there going to be a lot of guys heading into their senior year that are still waiting? Uh, I don't think so. I think they're going to make clear and concise decisions about a player um, after their junior season and, and then live and let live. Uh, there will still occasionally be that guy that just gets that much better from end of junior year to the middle of or the summer before senior year, which is not that far. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, you're talking January to, to June. Um, but 
I don't see that happening this year for a lot of guys. There's a, a couple players in the state that are worth watching in that regard, but uh, the players that would really be worth watching, like four-star offensive lineman William Satterwhite from Akron Hoban, uh, he's not camping at Ohio State, and you know they've they've evaluated him last summer in the fall, in the winter, and decided not to offer, and he's decided to, to uh, keep his focus elsewhere. So um, some of that is going to be player-driven. Some of it's going to be chips on the shoulders of players that other coaches have put on them saying, hey, dude, Ohio State doesn't even like you. Why would you even waste your time? You know, we, we liked you early, that sort of stuff. And uh, But you're right, though. Ohio State's not offering a lot of scholarships. Uh, you know, as far as the big-name programs go, I think really only Clemson offers fewer than the Buckeyes do. So uh, it, it is an exclusive club, and generally speaking, they know what they want before the guys get to campus. All right, but there certainly have been, as you mentioned, a bunch of notable performances. You've already rattled off a couple from the last from last year, last summer, the summer before that. I know that this is a very open-ended question with a lot of answers, but what comes to mind for you from some of the best camp performances you've seen? Well, the most recent one that really just was all that was just eye-opening to me, and I think a lot of the people who were there that day, and maybe yourself included. Uh, may not people may not want to hear it, but that was Jaden Davis, uh, the five-star quarterback who's committed to Michigan now in the class of 2024. When he camped at Ohio State two summers ago, this was prior to the Dylan Rayola um, uh, involvement, or really even knowing that he existed. And everyone pretty much assumed that Jaden Davis was going to be Ohio State's quarterback in that class because that's where that relationship and 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 that entire recruitment was heading, based on on that camp performance where he was just dominant. That was maybe the best I've ever seen a quarterback throw the ball at Ohio State as a passer. The only other one that really is even close to me is Quinn Ewers, who before he was a freshman high school player at South Lake Carroll, he camped at Ohio State in the summer with uh, Doug Donnelly's kid, and. You know, that's one where you're like, man, that guy looks different. And he was there that day with Dwan Mathis and a few other guys that were, you know, highly ranked power five, uh, soon to be seniors. And Quinn was entering his freshman year of high school and was the best passer there. So, um, you know, I think there's all, there's the historical ones that people have always talked about, the Darren Lees, uh, um, Terry McLaurin. One that was really stood out to me was Denzel Ward, watching him back uh, in like 2013, uh, 2014. Like he was just a small kid you like don't know who he is but he's just a blazing fast corner um and then all of a sudden you know he's like someone you just have to get and and what i think it was cool about those experiences is that when those guys got those offers like you knew what it meant to them you knew it meant that their recruitment was over um and because the process has changed so much and evaluations have come so early and offers come so early you don't see a lot, and because of the aforementioned chips I mentioned that grow on shoulders when they don't get an early offer, there's so few and far between players who just are willing to come in and say, I'm going to earn this and and do it. Darren Lee is a perfect example. I mean, this is a kid who played quarterback for the most part of his early career at New Albany, and even when he was at Camping Ohio State, I don't think that Luke Fickle and these guys really knew what he could play, but they were like, we just want to have this guy on our team. Um, Craig Young was that way, another player who you're like, I don't know where this guy fits, but he runs around out there and looks so different. You're like, man, you have to offer this kid a scholarship. Um, and Terry McLaurin's story is, is the coolest one. I mean, just because I think, you know, most of our watchers have heard it, but to watch him be told at a camp, you're not doing this well enough. You're not catching the ball well enough. You're not running fast enough. Come back and try it again. If you want to play here, and that's a kid who, from Indianapolis, had offers from 
a lot of Big Ten schools and could have been very content going to play at Purdue and and being a you know a, a, a freshman player early in his career at Purdue and to show up two weeks later and run like a half a second faster and catch everything and to see his face that day when he got brought by Kerry Combs across the field to Urban Meyer's office, knowing that meant he was going to be offered, like you just knew it was just such a cool moment uh, to, to witness. But um, for me anyway, because I'm a nerd. Um, you've been <laughs> to camps. What, what are the ones that stood out to you? I mean, I, obviously, I think I probably stole your thunder on Terry because I know that you know he's one yeah, of our personal favorites. A little bit, um, but that's that's okay. I mean, I never, I never went to these until really I met you. I would, uh, and we started working together. I I was there for Terry McLaurin. I remember Luke Fickle talking and challenging Darren Lee. Like it wasn't that he had to come once and earn it. Like Darren Lee, I think had to go to every single camp session uh, as Ohio State was trying to figure out and the defensive staff trying to figure out what to do with him. Like, uh, I don't know, you still haven't earned it. Maybe come back in a week or two or another workout or let us think about that. So what it meant to them was uh, really special because you can take that a different way. If, if Ohio State says on the day that you show up, whether you're Terry McLaurin or anybody else that's been through this process, uh, we don't know. It's not, not, yeah. that, not good enough for an offer today. I think you'd be like, well, maybe they just really don't like me. Maybe I'm, I'm not cut out for this and you don't want to come back because – Again, if you're three hours away, or even if you're one hour away, like you're you're showing up, you're paying, you're going through all this stretching and drills, and you have a very limited window to impress Ohio State's coaching staff. So, the fact that they took that as a challenge that they wanted to come back and answer again will always resonate with me. It tells you a lot about their character makeup for the way that they approach the game competitively, uh, and what their expectations and goals were. That will always stick with me because if the ones that don't want to come back and don't want to take that challenge. Guess what? Once you get on campus and Mickey Marotti gets you in for the first summer workout or first mat drill in the winter, it's going to be really, really freaking hard. And the way that they evaluate you is going to be even more extreme than just like you're not good enough for a you know a camp to get a scholarship offer. Like, so I, I pay more attention to that than I ever did before. I have you to thank for that and informing uh, a little bit of opinions and insight about whether these guys have the long term wherewithal to make it at Ohio State. Um, I remember as an aside to that, like some of the competition that guys are forced to play off of each other when Joe Royer and Luke Lachey were, it may not have been the reality. You tell me like, it seemed like one guy was going to leave that day with a scholarship offer and the other was going to be like, all right, I'm going elsewhere. And that was unequivocally the case. And they both, (laughs) they both knew it going into the camp, which is what made that day fun to watch because Ohio State, and this is for any any parents out there who are listening to this, have kids growing up wanting to play football. Like at a camp like this on on Thursday at Ohio State or anywhere around the country, the primary thing these coaches want to see, and Devin Jordan tweeted about it on Thursday morning, like, hey, if you're coming to our camp, first thing they say, compete. All they want to see is who's going to go as hard as possible. Who's going to go out there and act, you know, they're they're they realize that they're watching 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds, and in some cases, most cases, those kids are not going to be anywhere near physically good enough to, to actually stand out at Ohio State yet. But when you are, and then you couple that with the ability to go out there and just bust your ass and go as hard as you can for that two hours, that's where things where the light comes on. And that's what Ohio State and college coaches are looking for. They want to see who's going to compete. They don't care if you run a little wonky or if your release is perfect when you're a quarterback or if your drop is perfect. 
Like all they want to know is that you're going to go out there and listen to them and be coachable and then go as hard as you possibly can. And and you're right though, with Terry and Darren, like that type of player, it shows something about who they wanted to be and who they believed they were going to be that they kept doing that because there are so many kids now and, and it's kind of crazy how much the world has changed in the last decade since those guys were doing these camps. But the kids now, like because of social media, because of all of the fake love that they get on social media from coaches, from uh, fan bases, from recruiters who will, they'll never actually talk to face to face. Like they get such a different sense of what they are already and like how close they are to being a, a finished product that they're insulted by the notion of you have to get better. And that's just not true. Like you should never as a 15 year old to or 16 year old to say, well, uh, Ohio state doesn't need to, I, I shouldn't have to impress Ohio state anymore. Like mm -hmm. it, it, you kid me. Like that's, that's such bad advice. And I want to shake the parents who, who say those <laughs> things. And then I think probably a close third or fourth to that. Um, one of the most memorable performances that I can recall was like a random 21 year old showing up to play at a camp at corner like two or three years ago. Nobody knew who he was or what school he was representing or how he got in or what he was approved for. And he was talking so much trash. He had a like good performance, but I think he was like 21 years old going up against high school freshmen. And um, I'll never forget that one. Don't know his name. Doesn't matter. I thought it was one of the weirdest things I'd seen. Well, because I'm losing my, my mind, the name of the school that he went to is escaping me, but it's the school that went on ESPN and got beat like 65 to nothing by IMG Bishop, and then realized Bishop right, Sycamore and wasn't a real school. So like you didn't know anything about these kids. So, but they were all in a high school and you just don't know anything about them. So they, they were allowed to camp uh, and people were like, what is this all about? But it, it's, you know, Tim Hinton and, and Ed Terwilliger and those guys who don't get a lot of mention on the show or, or because they're so f behind the scenes, but those guys do mm -hmm. such an incredible job of developing relationships around the state. And I think one of my favorite things about camp days is seeing all the high school coaches that are there, seeing the coaches from other colleges who come back, the, the Mac schools around Ohio. I remember I mean, that's how I really started to really have a good relationship with Jim Burrow back in the day, even after Joe was um, grad, even after Joe was already at Ohio State was that his dad would be there as a defensive backs coach for o OU, and you just get a chance to really get to, to, to meet these coaches and talk to them. And it's such an incredibly excellent day for us in a networking capacity that uh, it it's fu it's funny to me that anyone in our line of work ever passes up being on, on campus on these days because it is the truest like sense of just real unfettered conversation you can have with coaches about these things. And really – it's not even about like individual players or how, you know, do you like this guy? Do you like that guy? It's really learning what these coaches are wanting in players in general. What, what, what Larry Johnson's looking for in a defensive lineman, what Justin Fry wants out of his offensive tackle, what James Laurinaitis is going to be really keying on when he's watching a player like Madden Ferrama. Like that's what's really cool about these days is that we get our, it's our only chance as media to learn how these coaches actually coach and mm -hmm. like, cause we can listen, we can be like five feet away listening to their entire conversation. So uh, 
it, it is, you know, people think I'm a, a I know I'm a recruiting nerd and, and all that, but like, that's why this is exciting to me. Cause it's just like such a unique look for us at, at not just the future of the program, but the, the get a chance to really evaluate the coaches on a different, in a different way. And plus, you know, as we said, like we, we get a chance to talk to a lot of the current players there because they're, they're just milling around and um, watching the young guys. Yeah, that's uh, the best part for me. And especially because the last couple of years they had been doing workouts on their own simultaneously. I guess that won't be the case this month, but maybe I'll sneak a, a peek somehow, some way or another, just to make sure that I can get what I need out of this while you're doing the real work for everybody on the recruiting trail, <laughs> nerding out. Hey, well, nobody does it any better than you. So that coverage will be available at ohiostate.rivals.com all month. And we will talk about it uh, on the podcast as well, probably be. Uh, the Friday edition as we break down what Berm sees on day one of camp season as Tim Hinton takes over on the mic and steals the show uh, for the month of June. Uh, that's that's all we've got to get ready for. It is here. That coverage will be on the way from Berm for Berm. I'm Austin. We'll talk to you later.